And amen. Hallelujah. Uh, go ahead and find your place in Mark chapter 4. That's where we're going to ultimately start. But you know, last week we were talking about Jesus feeding the multitude. Uh, we were looking at the one where he fed the 5,000 men. Uh, plus there was women, children, and all. And they estimated it to be about a 25,000 uh, folks in the crowd. And... Um, the disciples didn't even learn from the miracle. And you know, the feeding of the 5,000, they were feeding the people. So the disciples were involved in the miracle that they never ran out of food. They continually fed the people, but yet they didn't learn from the miracle. Uh, they had not any understanding. In fact, the Bible said they didn't even consider what had happened. They didn't meditate on it. They had no revelation or understanding. And Jesus said, is it because you're hard-hearted? Remember that? Okay, so we want to look at a few other instances this week, and we're going to look in Mark chapter 4, where he has taught the people about the sower, the parable of the sower. So let's look in verse 13, Mark chapter 4, verse 13. It says, And he said to them, Do you not understand this parable? How will you understand all the parables? So this one is fundamental or foundational to understanding everything else, right? Well, why is that so important? Well, verse 14 goes on to say, the sower sows the word. And this is of utmost importance. And we have to understand the importance, the power, and the authority of sowing the word of God in our life. Isn't that right? And he goes on to talk about, and you know the whole account of the sower. He talks about the four grounds. One was a hard ground, one was a shallow ground, one was a thorny ground, and then one was a good ground. The three, the hard ground, the shallow ground, and the thorny ground, the word of God was stolen from them. But the one that was the good ground, it says they received, they received and bore fruit. Isn't that right? So just as a quick review the hard ground the word never got into the ground the seed was sown beside the road but never got into the ground so the enemy stole it away the second one was the shallow ground and it says they received the word with great joy but then afflictions or problems in life and persecutions as problems with people rose up and they fell away from the word because it was like oh i received the word i was so happy about it but it just does i have problems now so they had the word stolen away from them. And then there was the thorny ground, and those are the ones that had heard the word, and things may have started working in their life, but then they started to have a desire for other things. All of a sudden, they had started to take on the worry of the world and the deceitfulness of riches, and that stole the word away from them. It choked the word, it says. But then there was the one that was the good ground. They heard the word, they understood it, and they received it into their heart. So they understood it, which means they kept it, they considered it, they pondered it, and they meditated on it. And the word bore and brought forth fruit. So it bore on the inside of them, it created changes in them, and because of the changes it created in them, it brought forth into their life. Isn't that right? Amen. Hallelujah. Verse 24 So he says, and he was saying to them, take care what you listen to. By your standard of measure, it will be measured to you and more will be given to you beside. You know, that's a, a warning that he tells us that we need to be careful of what we're listening to. In fact, if you, let's look at that in the Amplified Bible, verse 24. It says, he said to them, be careful what you are hearing. The measure of thought and study that you give to the truth you hear will be the measure of virtue and knowledge that comes back to you and more besides will be given to you who hear. Okay, so he says, be careful for what you're hearing because you're going to meditate on what you hear. You're going to think about what you hear and the amount of thought that you put into it, the amount you give yourself to what you hear. It's going to come back to you now. It should be the truth of the word of God is what we're giving ourselves to. That should be what we're hearing, that we give thought 
and uh, give our time to what we hear in the word of God. And that truth we hear will come back to us in virtue, which is power and knowledge. So it's going to increase power and knowledge in our life. So we know knowledge is about application into our life. You shall know the truth or you shall apply the truth and participate in the truth. And that participation in the truth is what will set you free. Isn't that right? So we're not talking about some mental knowledge. It's, the word of God never talks about a mental knowledge. It's always something you know in your heart. Isn't that right? Amen. Hallelujah. So consideration, meditation, pondering, hearing the right things is very important. You know, the word of God talks about mustard seed faith. And we know that the mustard seed is the smallest of all. But the mustard seed is a seed that cannot be crossbred. You cannot mix the mustard seed with anything else. You can't mix mustard seed faith with incorrect knowledge. Two plus two does not equal five. Doesn't matter how much you think it does. Well, that's my truth. Well, you're wrong and you'll get ripped off when you go to the store. Because you're going to wind up paying too much. Are you with me? So you don't want to meditate on incorrect knowledge. You want to meditate on correct knowledge. And what is correct knowledge? The word of God. That's what gives us proper understanding. You know, the Bible says that through the true knowledge, grace and peace is multiplied back to you. So you can have wrong knowledge. You can have incomplete knowledge. You can have what you think is correct. But then there's true knowledge. And the true knowledge of the word of God will bring and multiply into your life grace and peace. Amen. Verse 26 through 29. And he was saying the kingdom of God is like a man who casts seed upon the soil. And he goes to bed at night, gets up by day, and the seed sprouts and grows how he himself does not know. The soil produces crops by itself, First the blade, then the head, then the mature grain in the head. But when the crop permits, he immediately puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. Hallelujah. Well, verse 26, he says there, the kingdom of God is like. So what he's doing is he's telling you what the kingdom of God is like. You don't need to come up with your own idea. Oh, what, do, what do you think the kingdom's like? No, he tells you what it's like. God, you know, the word of God is very plain and tells you exactly the way things are. You don't have to figure it out for yourself. This is not about blind faith or anything else. It's right there out in the open, in the light for you to see. That's why the eyes of your understanding have been enlightened so that you can know. This is not a mystery. There's nothing mysterious about God. God is right out there. He's, a mo he's more transparent than anybody you've ever known. He is so transparent, he tells you just the way it is. Amen. The kingdom of God is like. So he's telling you what the operations of the kingdom is like. If you want to do things God's way, he's telling you this is what it's like. What is the kingdom of God like? Casting seed. What is the seed? The sower sows the, the word, parable of the sower. If you don't understand the parable of the sower, you won't understand anything. The kingdom of God is casting seed, the seed of the word of God. That's what the kingdom is all about. Amen? So that's what he tells you. The kingdom of God is like a man who casts seed or the word upon the soil. And what's the soil? The heart of man. You're casting seed upon your soil. And then in verse 27. And he goes to bed at night, gets up by day. So what is that talking about? The passing of time. Time passes by. You sow that seed into your heart and time passes by. And what does the seed do? It sprouts and grows. So you put seed in the ground and it sprouts and it grows. How does that happen? You don't know. But, you know, you're believing God for something and you're declaring what the word of God has to say. And what's the one thing you want to worry about? How is this going to happen? How is this going to work? How is this going to come? to? I don't know how this is going to happen. You're not supposed to. 
it says it right there. How it grows, you don't know. But that's the one thing you want to worry about. You know why? Because that's the one thing you can't do anything about. And it's called the worry of the world that will rob the word from you. Parable of the sower. I'm worried about how is this going to work. That worry is what robs the word of truth from you. And then it doesn't, doesn't create or produce results. Are you with me? How? He himself doesn't know. Verse 28. The soil produces by itself. This, put the seed in the soil. The soil will produce it by itself. Why? Because that's the way God's designed it. The soil of man, the heart of man, produces of itself because that's the way God's designed it. Because the kingdom of God is like this. This is how God's made it. Are you with me? Amen. Verse uh, 30 to 32. And he said, how shall we picture the kingdom of God? Or by what parable shall we present it? It is like, here he goes, the kingdom of God, what? It is like. It is like. He's telling you again, this is the kingdom. It's what the parables are about. It's how the kingdom operates. It is like a mustard seed, which when sown upon the soil, though it is smaller than all the seeds that are upon the soil, but when it is sown, it grows and it becomes larger than all the garden plants and forms large branches so that the birds of the air can nest under its shade. When it's sown, it grows. You want the word to grow in your life. What do you have to do? Sow it. Sow it where? Upon the soil. And what is the seed that gets sown? The word of God. The word is the seed. The sower sows the word. We sow the word and it grows. So you can't live on seed word. The seed has to grow on the inside of you. And what does it grow into? Revelation knowledge. Amen. And when it grows, it becomes larger than all the circumstances you're dealing with. That word becomes bigger than anything you're facing. That word becomes the most important thing in your life. There is nothing that you could face. There's not a situation that can stand against it because it becomes larger than everything else. Amen. And that's what the word is designed to do. The seed won't, but when the seed grows, it will become. And it grows when it's in the soil. And if you're worried about how it's going to happen, how it's going to work, how things are going to change, how's it going to come about, that word gets sown, ripped out of your soil and gets stolen from you by the worry of the world. Amen. This is not hard to understand. In the natural, you put seed in the soil, you water it and everything, and it grows. What do you have to do with making that seed grow? Nothing. The soil will produce it, right? This is how it operates in the natural. And Jesus is using natural operations to tell you spiritual truth. So if these principles of growth and these concepts of growth work in a cursed world system certainly is going to work in the blessed kingdom of God who created it from the beginning. Amen. Amen. You want your life to grow? This is the, this is the path to get it to grow. Verses 33 and 34. And with many such parables, he was speaking the word to them so far as they were able to hear it. And he did not speak to them without a parable, yet he was explaining everything privately to his own disciples. So not only did the disciples hear all of the parables, they had them all explained. Jesus explained it all to them. Isn't that right? 35. Verse 35. On that day... When evening came, he said to them, let us go over to the other side. On that day, what day? 
the same day he just taught him about and explained all the parables to him. That same day, he said, or he sowed. He sowed the seed. Let us go over to the other side. Why? Because the sower sows the word. Everything you say is a seed. Everything in your life is a product of what you've sown. A man's harvest in life depends entirely, totally, and only on what he sows. 42 years ago, I had sown a lot of things into my life, and my life was a mess. But when I got saved, I had to start learning to sow different things into my life to change my life, change my marriage, change my family. Change our health situation. Change our financial situation by sowing, sowing, sowing. Declaring what the word of God says. And not let the worry of the world steal it. Not let afflictions of persecution steal it. Not let it fall on hard ground so that it be stolen. But keep it, keep it, keep it and don't let go of it. And that's what changes your life. Why? Because the sower sows the word. So when you're speaking words, you're sowing seeds. Amen. On that day, when he taught and explained the parables, he said, or he sowed these words. Let us go over to the other side. Verse 36 through 38. Leaving the crowd, they took him along with them in the boat, just as he was and other boats were with them. And there arose a fierce gale of wind, which is actually hurricane storm winds. And the waves were breaking over the boat. This is not a rowboat, you know. This is fishing boats. These are big fishing boats. And the waves were breaking over the boat so much that the boat was already filling up. And Jesus himself was in the stern asleep on the cushion. And they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? You know, they just say things so nice in the Bible. But that's really not the way it's written in the Greek. Because the way it sounds like, it's like Jesus is sleeping and they come over and go, teach it, teach it. We're perishing, don't you care? <laughs> but when it says that they woke him up, some versions say they aroused him. The Greek actually is the same word as resurrection. Wham! They pulled him out and said, hey, we're drowning over here. Don't you care? You're sleeping. <laughs> you can see that happening I mean these guys are freaking out they need some help you know grab a pail <laughs> bail the water out isn't that right but what did Jesus what had Jesus done before they got in the boat he sowed a seed of his word that said let us go over to the other side and he had total confidence that it's going to bring him through why? Because it was the word of the Father. The word of the Father that was made known to him by the Holy Spirit. He said, I only speak the things I hear. So he heard the word. The Holy Spirit gave it to him. That was a word from the Father. And Jesus then declared it upon the earth. Let us go over to the other side. And Jesus has total confidence. They're going over to the other side. These guys have no confidence. None at all. They're freaking out over this. The disciples didn't pick up on it. They, they didn't pick up a thing about it. They did not consider the parables. They did not ponder the parables. They were hard-hearted and they couldn't receive what Jesus said. He started off in the very beginning. He said, if you don't understand this parable, you won't understand any of them. The sower sows the word. Here's a word, guys. Let's go over to the other side. But they didn't pick up on it. See, when you consider, listen, when you consider the word of God, when you ponder the word of God, when you meditate on the word of God, it'll soften your heart to be able to receive a word that gets implanted inside of you. But if you don't meditate, you don't ponder, you're trying to live on data with no revelation. Data will kill you in a heartbeat. The devil used data against Jesus. 
He brought him up to the pinnacle of the temple and he said, it is written, throw yourself. He says, go ahead and throw yourself down from here because it is written. He'll give his angels charge over you to bear you up concerning you lest you strike your foot against the stone. Go ahead, throw yourself down. That was data. And they kill him in a heartbeat. Because the data of the word is death. But the Spirit gives life. And without the Spirit on the Word, it's not going to be good for you. For instance, Isaiah 53, the great chapter of substitution, where Jesus was our great substitute. And he bore away all of our sicknesses, diseases, anxieties, calamities, our pains, and our sorrows. He paid the price for our sin. That sin was put upon him. The chastening of our well-being was put on him by his scourgings that we were healed. Isn't that right? He was considered among those that had died and, and considered to be the ones that had lived in iniquity because he carried it all. But he did it for us. He bore our sin. He bore our iniquity. He was wounded for our transgressions and he was he was bruised for our transgression and he was wounded for our iniquity or the effects of all the transgressions. He took it all upon himself. Isn't that right? So I can hear what the word of God has to say in Isaiah 53 about how Jesus bore my sicknesses and diseases, how he bore my sin and paid the price for my sin. Well, am I hearing that word in me? Do I hear that word spoken for me or do I only hear that word spoken at me See, you got to hear it in you this is the whole idea of sitting quietly and spending time in the word of God and letting the word of God speak to you it's good that you sit in church but if all you do is sit in church you're not going to get it you've got to give yourself to the word of God and spend time in that word, pondering, considering, and meditating on what that word says so that it can speak in us and speak for us. Isn't that right? Go over to Isaiah 53 for a moment. Let's look at verse uh, 5. Isaiah 53 is not a word of Isaiah. It's not the word of Isaiah. Because we know all scripture is inspired or God breathed. It's men moved by the Holy Ghost. Isn't that right? So it's not the word of Isaiah. Nor is it a word spoken to Israel. It's not a word that's spoken for God alone. What did Jesus say to his disciples? Let us, that means me and y'all, let us go to the other side. Over here in Isaiah, it says, by his scourging, we are healed. If you go to 1 Peter 2.24, he'll say, by his scourgings, you were healed. Okay, so who is that written to? Whoever the we is. Are you one of the we's? Yes. Then that's written to you. So therefore we could say by his scourgings, I am healed. Yes. Amen. 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 You say, yeah, but I still feel bad. Are you saved? Yes. And have you stopped sinning? No. No. <laughs> but does that change the fact about your salvation? Are you still saved? Yeah. Can you be forgiven for the sin? Yes. Okay. Did Jesus bear away your diseases and sicknesses? Yes. Do you still get sick? Yes. Does that change the fact that by his stripes you were healed? No, no but you can be healed. Yes. Just like you can be forgiven, you can be healed. Yes. You were delivered out of sin, but you still sin. So you can be forgiven by the blood of Jesus. Right. Well, the same way your sicknesses and diseases have been born away but you still get attacked with sickness but you can be healed yes. so just because you're forgiven of sin doesn't mean you'll never sin 
And just because you've been healed by the stripes of Jesus doesn't mean you'll never deal with sickness. But what it does mean is forgiveness is available and healing is available if you'll believe God. And that doesn't mean you don't go to a doctor if the Holy Spirit leads you to go to a doctor. The whole idea is what is God telling you to do? And you follow him in the way he leads you. Now, people say things like, well, I'll never go to the doctor. Then die. Because you may not have the faith to stand. If you do, fine. But if you don't, you better go to the doctor. There's nothing wrong with going to the doctor. Just don't give up your authority to the doctor and go, well, whatever you say. Don't do that. You ponder, you consider, and have a little bit of critical thinking with the Holy Ghost. And you decide what you're going to do. You know, the word doctor is not spelled G-O-D. The doctor is not God. He has an opinion. You say, well, it's an educated opinion. Well, God's got more education than anybody. Now, I'm not saying that they're always wrong. I mean, I've been to the doctor, you know, when I fell off the roof and I crushed my arm. Okay, so I waited seven weeks because I was you know, working on believing God. And well, after seven weeks, I finally went to the doctor. And he told me about what needed to be done and stuff. Well, by the time I got there, I pretty much knew what was going to have to be done. So I had no issue with what he said. I just told him I needed a price on parts and labor because there was no insurance involved here. <laughs> and that was funny. He's going through the parts book. Well, we can get these parts. And, you know, was that the best price you can get on them parts, Doc? <laughs> You know, and then he's talking about going to the uh, uh, hospital and he says, you know, he goes, you got no, you've got no uh, insurance. He goes, you know, just to go to the hospital and using their operating room is going to probably cost you at least $75,000. And I looked at him, I said, doc, this is a surgery center. Can't we do it as an outpatient? And he's like, oh yeah, we can do it as an outpatient. Well, the whole procedure was cut down to about $15,000, parts and labor. <laughs> so you can't just let them tell you the way it's going to be and you just sit there like a lump on the log and go well whatever you say you, you need to be you need to be connected and listen to the holy spirit amen so these words in isaiah by his scourgings we are healed these are words or seeds spoken to us spoken for us and they need to be speaking in us. They need to be coming from us. We don't want to be hard ground. We don't want to be shallow ground. We don't want to be thorny ground. We want to be good ground. Amen. You know, do we have the word? Do we say things like, well, I know what the word says, but yet things aren't being produced in our life? Or is just a little bit being produced? Is what's being produced getting choked? Or are things being produced in you and being produced out around you? It's line upon line, a little here, a little there. Growth upon growth, faith upon faith, glory upon glory. You got to grow the seed. Grow the seed. Get the seed into the soil. Put it in you and let it grow as you ponder it and meditate it. You've got to water it. That's what you do. When you meditate on the word, you're watering the word that is in you. Pondering it, that's what it, ponder means. I mean, meditate means to consider it and to ponder it. It don't mean cross your legs and fold your arms and hmm, hum. You got to have the word in you and getting it flushed on the inside of you. You understand? Yeah. You don't empty your mind out like that, whatever meditation stuff they talk about. You don't empty your mind out. You got to keep your mind filled. If you empty your mind out, somebody will fill it with some kind of garbage. You got to keep the word in your mind and fill it with that. You understand? So I don't, when I say the word meditate, I don't want you to think we're talking about that other kind of meditation. This is about pondering, considering, and keeping the word rolling around on the inside of you. So just like that verse there, 
You know, he was pierced through for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities or the effects of transgressions. That's what it means in the Hebrew. The chastening for our well-being fell on him. So he took the punishment that should have come on us, came on him. And by his scourgings, we are healed. So that's what you get in your head, in your mind. And you start pondering. You start considering it. You start thinking about it. And the Holy Spirit give you revelation. So when Jesus was, uh, in fact, go, go back over where we were in, uh, in Mark 4, 38. And it says, he was in the stern asleep on the cushion. And they woke him and said to him, teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Well, what was Jesus doing? He wasn't just sleeping. He was resting in faith. He was believing with total inward certainty in the word that he heard from his father. And then he spoke out in faith, expecting that it would be exactly as he heard and exactly as he spoke. Remember, Jesus gave up his deity. He didn't live on the earth as the son of God. As the son of God, he was the son of man. He gave up his deity, gave up his rights. It tells you that in the book of Philippians. And he put on the form of a bondservant and lived as a man, totally under the control and leadership of the Holy Spirit as Father was giving directions. He said, I say nothing other than what I, say, what I hear, and I do nothing other than what I see the Father do. He had no self-will at all about himself. That, to me, that's just absolutely amazing. No self-will. Nothing he did was on his own initiative. It was all directed by the Father through the Holy Spirit. Amen. So we had complete, complete faith, believing with total inward certainty. That's what faith means. I have an inward certainty that I know, that I know, that I know. And what he spoke out in faith, based on what he heard, he knew it was going to come to pass. Now, why did they wake him up? Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? See, everybody else in the boat thought he was just insensitive to the situation. They thought that he was uncaring about the circumstances. Unemotional and cold-hearted. You don't care. You don't care. That's right. I don't take a care. I haven't worried in years, excuse me. Why? Because the, par- the disciples had not learned from the parable of the sower. Right. They didn't learn it. They had not gained insight just as they didn't gain any insight from the feeding of the 5,000. They heard it, they saw it, and they even operated in it, but they only had data. They didn't have any understanding, which is what Jesus said, you had no understanding. So let's go back over to Proverbs 24. Verses 3 and 4. It says, By wisdom a house is built, by understanding it is established, and by knowledge the rooms are filled with all precious and pleasant riches. Now, as we looked at these words in the Hebrew, we found out that the word wisdom means the data, like the blueprint. Or the plan for building the house. You know, just because you have a plan for a house doesn't mean the house is built. You have the data, right? Then he says, by understanding, it is established. And what is understanding is, it establishes the plan and prepares all the necessary items to build a house. And the word knowledge is that which works the plan and uses all necessary items received by understanding and carries out the wisdom to its final manifestation all the way even to filling the rooms with all pleasant and precious riches. So as we had mentioned over the last number of weeks, everything starts with and works off of and comes to completion because of foundations. Foundations are very important. There's foundations in the kingdom, there's foundations in marriage, there's foundations in finances, there's foundations in health, there's foundations in the nation. And the Bible says, do not move the boundaries. Do not move the boundaries. Isn't that right? Amen. So wisdom is actually the word of God. Understanding is revelation from the word of God. And knowledge is application of the word of God. 
But you can't go from data to application without revelation. Amen. Amen. Acts 19. And verses 13 through 17. Acts 19 verses 13 through 17. It says, but also some of the Jewish exorcists who went from place to place attempted to name over those who had the evil spirit the name of the Lord Jesus, saying, I adjure you by Jesus whom Paul preaches. And seven sons of one Sceva, a Jewish chief priest, was doing this. And the evil spirit answered and said to them, I recognize Jesus and I know about Paul, but who are you? And the man in whom was the evil spirit leaped on them and subdued all of them, all seven of them, and overpowered them so that they fled out of the house naked and wounded. And this became known to all, both Jews and, and Greeks, who lived in Ephesus, and fear fell upon them all, and the name of the Lord Jesus was being magnified. Okay, so what was happening? If you go back to uh, verse 13, what was happening here? They, they tried to use the name of Jesus. I adjure you by Jesus whom Paul preaches. In other words, we've heard Paul do this, so we're going to do this. Well, what were they operating on? Data. Data. They had no understanding and they had no revelation. Therefore, there was no life-giving application. If you don't have revelation, you don't have a life-giving application. Amen. They tried to do that like Paul did, but it was dead works because there's no life giving application. They thought that this name of Jesus was just a new incantation they can use over the devil. <laughs> Notice what it says, too, in verse 14. The devil starts talking to them. Uh, 15. Yeah, he said the evil spirit answered and said to them. I recognize Jesus, and I know about Paul. Now, what kingdom do the evil spirits live in? Do they live in God's kingdom, or do they live in the darkness? The darkness, okay? So the dark recognizes Jesus. The dark recognizes Paul. The dark knows everybody that is saved because the light's in them. But when it comes to even their own people, they don't know them. Because when you're lost... You're really lost. Nobody knows you. But when you're saved, everybody knows you. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. So they could not correctly and appropriately apply to life the name of Jesus because it wasn't life in them. I heard Paul do this, so we're going to do the same thing. But it wasn't life on the inside of them. They were working off of data, not life. Amen. So Mark, we don't have to go there, but Mark chapter 4, Jesus said, let us go over to the other side, right? Then there was a storm. They shook him. They woke him up. He took authority over the storm. And he demonstrated authority over the storm that could not stop the seed of the word from achieving its goal. He didn't have to, but he took authority over the storm because these guys are freaking out. He'd have just slept through the whole thing and got to the other side. Now, this is after teaching on sowing the word. Let us go over to the other side. There's the word, guys. I've just sown the word. Well, are you going to be hard ground? Are you going to be rocky ground? Are you going to be thorny ground or are you going to be good ground? In Mark chapter 6, after he fed the 5,000 and the disciples were fellow workers in the miracle, Jesus again, they get in a boat, he calms the storm. So Jesus is not only teaching them about the seed of the word, but he's also teaching them about demonstrations. And he applied the seed right into the life. The sower sows the word. These are the grounds. The kingdom of God is like a man that sows a seed. The kingdom of God is, if, is as if a seed is sown in the soil and grows. So here we go. I've taught you about that, so here we go. Let's go over to the other side. Right there, guys, there's the seed. Mm -hmm. 
So he's applying what he taught them right into life. See, now the seed he heard from the Father, revealed by the Holy Spirit, he heard on the inside, you need to go to the other side. So therefore, he declares that because he's the man on the earth. Man, only man on earth can declare it. It's not God that's going to declare it. God don't have authority on the earth. He gave it to you. And you have to rise up in your God-given authority. Jesus has already risen and he said, okay, guys, I'm done. I'm finished. I've done what I need to do. Now you go. You go in that authority. You tell that to most people and they're like, no, what authority? And like we've always said, if all you learn about a miracle is a miracle, then you will always need a miracle. Life is not about needing a miracle. Life is about learning from the word of God, which we'll get into more of that next week. He demonstrated authority so that the seed that was spoken out could be carried out. The seed was alive in Jesus. Jesus did not have hard ground. He, was, he carried out the word. He didn't have shower ground to where I heard we're going over to the other side. Oh, no, I can't believe we got this storm coming up. See, Jesus wasn't freaking out with the other ones because he wasn't rocky ground. Huh? And, you know, it's very common for people to be distracted by contrary winds. Very common. You're, you're distracted by adversity, things that are blowing against you. They're even blowing against the word of God and the person that's carrying the word. But those are the thorns that want to rise up to try to choke the word out of you. This is why faith, the word of God in your heart, needs to be a normal operation. It has to be the natural, normal way of thinking, speaking, and acting. It must be your habit of life because the crap will hit the fan at any moment. And what will you do? How will you respond? Because the crap hitting the fan is not your problem. It's how you respond to it. And if it's not in you to respond correctly, you're going down the river with the rest of the stuff. There's a storm. What are we going to do? Oh, my God. I can't believe it. Look at the economy. Look at how bad things are getting. Oh, Jesus, help me. He don't live here. What are you going to do? The word of God has to be in your heart, in your mouth, and ready to respond in a moment. It's got to be the habit of your life. Jesus taught on the seed of the word. Seeds need to grow. He showed us how the seed of the word cannot be stopped. But a person could stand up in the authority of that word. Not data like the sons of Sceva, but living word. Amen. Amen. One more verse. You all good? Mark 11. Is it early? Oh, great God. I got another two hours. I'm only kidding. I don't want to lose you all there. <laughs> Mark 11, 13 and 14. Seeing at a distance a fig tree and leaf, he went to see if perhaps he would find anything on it. And when he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for it was not the season for figs. And he said to it, may no one ever eat fruit from you again. And his disciples were listening. And let me explain something to you about the fig tree. Because people think, well, Jesus is just mean. He couldn't get any food, so he cursed the darn thing. No. It wasn't the season for figs, right? Well, if it wasn't the season for figs, why did he go to the fig tree to get a fig? Because the tree was in leaf. Right? He saw the fig tree in leaf. Now, on fig trees, there's only two times that you have figs. Either at the time of the leaf or after the leaf. So if there's leaf on the fig tree, there has to be fruit. But it wasn't season for figs. Then why was it in leaf? Trees messed up. (laughs) 
So he's like, well, it's not fig season, but hey, there's a fig tree and leaf. You know, it's like mango trees. All of a sudden, there's two seasons a year on mango trees. There was only one season for a long time, and now all of a sudden there's two. I don't know why. Something happened. Yeah, something messed up. But you know, if it starts budding, you know, mangoes are coming. Well, he sees the fig tree and he sees it in leaf, figures there's a fig, goes to see it, and there's no figs, and he says, what does he say? What did he seed? May no one ever eat fruit from you again. He sowed the word. He seeded into that thing. Amen. Verse 19 through 22. We know now after this, he goes into the temple. He chases out all the money changes, not because he's angry and mad at him, but that's the direction the Holy Spirit gave him because he didn't do anything of his own initiative. So the Holy Spirit directed him in this, chased out all the money changes. They come out of Jerusalem. They go back home. It says, when evening came, they would go out of the city. And as they were passing by, now they're coming back again in the morning. And they saw the fig tree withered from the roots up. And being reminded of that which Jesus said or seeded, Peter said to him, Rabbi, look, the fig tree which you cursed has withered. And Jesus answered, saying to them, have faith in God. Well, the actual Greek says, have the God kind of faith. Or have the faith that is of God. Amen. So with faith in God, you can speak in his authority according to his will and his direction. Not just anything, but according to his will and his direction, you can speak his authority. Jesus spoke to the fig tree and also spoke. Okay, listen, Jesus spoke to the fig tree, right? But Jesus has said other things, like when he came to Uh, Nazareth he got up in the synagogue and he said the spirit of the Lord is upon me and he's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor heal the brokenhearted recover your sight to the blind freedom for the captives and to set free those that have been bruised and oppressed of life and to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord isn't that right he said those things also so what did Jesus do for that tree to wither okay he spoke to it but he has spoken other things but what did he do Hmm? Okay, he spoke to it, but what did he do to make it happen? Nothing. He did nothing. He spoke to it, and that was it. He didn't do anything, right? But he also said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me and all those things. What did he do to accomplish Father's will in those areas? He went around teaching, preaching, and healing. He went from place to place. There's times that you act and there's times you speak. Well, let me say it this way. You always speak, but there's times you act and there's times speaking is the act. You don't have to do anything else. But it's not based on your personality. See, people are are so personality minded. It's not based on your personality. Well, that, you know, I, I don't like doing any of that stuff, so I'm just going to speak to it. Oh, I don't like speaking to it, so I'm just going to go do that. It's not based on what you like and what you don't like. I don't know if you know this, but God don't really give a rip what you like. He doesn't. He doesn't care. The kingdom of God is like, not what you like. <laughs> so, what is it then if it's, Times that we just speak to it, excuse me, times we have to speak and act to it, it's all about the leadership of the Holy Spirit. Knowing by the Spirit of God what it is you need to do. What did Jesus do to stand against anything trying to stop the withering of that tree? Nothing. What did Jesus do about standing against the things that tried to stop his purpose on the earth? He did all kinds of things, stood against them, stood against the lawyers, stood against the scribes, stood against the Pharisees, stood against all the religious people, stood against them. Amen. The only way, listen, the only way that you can have these things working in a habitual manner is to be more inclined to the things of the spirit 
rather than to the things of the flesh. And the number one thing of the spirit to be inclined to is the word of God. Having the more of the word in us, not only in data. Data is the starting point. You got to get the word. That's the starting point. But we want to have more of the word in us in revelational understanding rather than having carnal thinking, emotional responses, or having our will set on ourself. But having everything under the control of the revelation of the word of God in us. And by the revelation of that word, I could set my will on those things. By the revelation of that word, I can respond correctly rather than emotionally. By the revelation of that word, I can have my thoughts and soundness of mind rather than just be going in a, a, a haywire type manner trying to figure out what to do. Faith is easy. And faith is exciting to learn. To learn about faith is so exciting. But when the deadline comes in view and natural hope runs out, that's when faith, the seed, will be tried. What will you do? The deadline's around the corner. What are you going to do? I'm losing hope in this area. What are you going to do? That's when that seed that you've declared, that you've said, that you have sown out upon this earth, that seed is going to be tried. It's when the game clock begins, folks. The game clock don't begin when you start getting the word. The game clock don't begin when you start getting revelation. The game clock begins when the trial starts. And the Bible tells us that every word of God is tried. Thank you, Jesus. Every word. Because God's not trying his own word. He's not saying, well, let's see if my word works. No, it's the devil that comes to try you and see if you really believe what you just said. See, Jesus believed what he said. Let us go over to the other side. I'm going to sleep, guys. He believed it. There wasn't a storm that could shake his belief. Now, the cross almost did in the Garden of Gethsemane, bleeding like drops of blood, writhing on the ground in agony of what he had to face. But he gave himself to the Father and said, Father, not my will, but your will. And the angel came and strengthened him and empowered him. And the joy of your face before him is what allowed him to go to that cross, knowing that it would bring freedom into your life. Amen. See, that's when the, that's when the game clock begins. The trial starts. The, 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 the things you've been declaring. Well, now, look, here comes the deadline. Look, it looks like things aren't going to work. Look, what are we going to do? You know, if this don't work, I don't know what we're going to do. But that's when you have to step up with the training that you've gotten from the word of God. You know, what do you hear from people? Whether it's military, whether it's police, whoever it might be, and there's shooting going on. Everybody runs from the shooting, but the ones with the training runs to the shooting. Because their training just kicks in. And that's the way it has to be with us as believers. When the enemy attacks, your training has to kick in. But if you haven't been getting trained, you haven't been developing the habits, you haven't been setting the disciplines in your life, then when that happens, you're going to run from it instead of run to it. And, if you, and you can't use the sword of the spirit unless you run to it. Are you with me? The training that is habitually developed in us so that no matter what happens, we can execute the plan of faith. We can stand for the seed of the word in authority. Amen. There are a lot of seeds. I don't know how many of you plant seeds, but there are a lot of seeds that grow and produce. Number one, they need water, which is meditating on the word. And number two, they need heat, 
which is the battle. And there's a lot of seeds of your life that will not grow without the battle. It's amazing how many Christians go, we're more than conquerors, we're overcomers, we're victorious. Oh, I don't like the battle. You know, well, nobody likes the battle. The heavyweight champion boxer doesn't like to have to go in the ring. Just give me the million dollars, I'm good. Well, it's probably what now, 10 million or so, whatever it might be. You know, but he's like, just give me the money. No, you got to go through the battle. The Word of God says endurance will have its perfect result, that you'll be perfect, mature, and complete. And the word complete in the Greek means that the grace that is in Christ will be in you. The same grace that allowed Jesus to say, let's go over to the other side and sleep in the boat, is that grace that can come on you also. Amen. So there are seeds that need water and they need heat meditating and battle but then there are some seeds that grow in the shade fig tree didn't have to do anything just declared it grows in the shade so there are seeds that grow in the shade there are seeds that needs water and battle but don't consider the contrary winds don't consider the storms don't consider the afflictions or the cares and the desires that want to distract you. Don't waver off of the seed of the word of God. Be the sower that continually sows the word. Declare the understanding of the word. Get the revelation of the word and declare that. You know, you know there's that verse in uh, Proverbs that says, Where there is no oxen, the stable is clean. But much income comes by the way of the oxen. And that's in Proverbs. So when I had my automotive shop and I would just be complaining about the shop was a mess. It was so busy. Didn't have a chance to clean the shop up and just be complaining. You know how you complain to God about stuff? Well, sometimes he just tells you where it's at because you're complaining. <laughs> and he brings that up on the inside of me and he goes, you know, where there's no oxen, the stable is clean, but much income comes by way of the oxen. So if you want, we can clean up the shop. But you know, I can slow things down and clean up your shop. But much income comes by way of those broken vehicles. I'm like, okay, the vehicles are the oxen. It don't have to be clean. We'll take the income from the oxen. Are you with me? So that was understanding about the word, that I could apply it now into my situation. You can command the word of God over the circumstances, but you've got to become fully persuaded of it. You can pray in tongues and refuse to worry. Having faith in the word of God, not a soulish peace. Soulish peace will get robbed in a heartbeat. Cast your care, trust God and his word, because God cannot lie. So what do you have to do if the sower sows the word? You've got to say it and say it and say it. Declare it, declare it, declare it. Work it, work it, work it. Expect it, expect it, expect it. And what do you do after that? You do it again. And what do you do after that? You do it again. And how much do I have to do it? You have to continually do it till it becomes your lifestyle. See, you don't become, the Bible talks about don't become weary in well-doing. You're not going to become weary if it's your lifestyle. When it's not your lifestyle and you're just trying to get something, you're going to get weary in a heartbeat. But when it's your lifestyle, that's the way it is. It don't change. It's the way we are. That's what we do. Because the kingdom of God is like. The kingdom of God is, it, as, is as if. The kingdom of God is the parable of the sower. And that's how we live. And that's what we do. And we don't change. Because we're children in the kingdom and we operate just like the one that owns the kingdom. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We bless you, Lord. We bless you, Lord. We praise you. We thank you, Father, for your word tonight. We thank you, Lord, for your goodness and for your grace. 
Thank you, Father, that your word is more than enough in every situation, that it covers every aspect of human existence, that your word alive in our heart can stand against any, any kind of circumstance, any attack of the enemy. I thank you, Lord, your word, your word, your word. It is the only thing in all of creation that will last for all eternity. For heaven and earth will pass away, but your word will never pass away. Thank you for it, Lord. Thank you for it, Lord. We bless you. We praise you and give you all the glory for it. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Now, Holy Spirit, we just ask you to bring these things up again on the inside of us that will hear them, that will think about them, that will ponder them and consider them. Lord, that as you bring them up within us, you'll give us greater understanding and greater revelation of what it is you're declaring to us so that we can properly apply these things into our life and have the results that your word declares. We thank you for it and bless you for it, Father. Now, Father, I thank you that as we receive the offering tonight, that we come with our tithes, we come with our seed sowing. Father, we come with our first fruits. We come to bless you, Lord, because we have a heart of thanksgiving for all that you are, all that you do, all that you've done in our life, And we know there's so many good things that you have planned for our life. They don't come without trials. They don't come without troubles because there is an enemy. But we know that as we sow our seed, as we declare your word, that we have the authority to stand against that enemy and bring him, just as Jesus did, to naught. Put him under our feet. Father, we thank you, Father. As we sow our seed, that every seed produces after its own kind. And it will produce a harvest in our life. As your word says, there's one that gives and yet increases all the more. How that happens, we don't know. But that's not our job. Our job is to believe what you say. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen.